Headspace Studios is supported by Factor. Y'all, eating better is so much easier with Factor. These ready-to-eat meals are fresh, never frozen, chef-made, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week. And they've got something for everyone, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to really make it your own. It's easy. They're delicious. I recommend it. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com headspace50 and use code headspace50 to get 50% off. That's code headspace50 at factormeals.com headspace50 to get 50% off. Hi friends, Robin here, and I have got a game changer for you. Maybe you're like me and you're feeling the winter blues right now. Well, let me tell you about my recent game-changing experience with Brook Linen. I decided to shake off the cold and give my bedroom a complete makeover. How, you ask? Well, with a spring bedding reset, thanks to Brook Linen. So trust me, okay, transforming my room from chilly to cheerful, it was completely simple. All I did was I treated myself to a new Brook Linen duvet and talk about a mood boost. It's like a color refresh for my entire bedroom space. I had no idea that changing linens could make such a big difference. So let's talk about Brooklinen's magic touch, okay? From luxe sateen to classic pre-kale, there is a sheet weave for every type of sleeper. And can we talk about their award-winning sheets made with long staple cotton? I'm talking about saying goodbye to restless nights. And the best part is that Brooklinen's new sheet patterns are inspired by the colors of nature. And and you know what? That makes it a breeze to just bring vibrant energy of spring right into your bedroom. So whether you're starting fresh or you're spicing up your current setup, Brooklinen's customizable bed and bath bundles, they've got you covered. Plus, you are going to save up to 25% when you bundled. Yeah, you heard that right. So let's kick off the spring refresh together. Visit brooklinen.com, that's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, and you're going to use the code DEARHEADSPACE for $20 off your order of $100 or more. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Use promo code DEARHEADSPACE for 20 bucks off. Your bedroom's going to thank you, and so will your mood. Happy sleeping, folks. <laughs> Hey everyone, here we are with another episode of Dear Headspace. I am Robin and I get the privilege of answering your questions today with Eve. And we are going to be talking about when work problems seep into your personal life, learning how to enjoy and process happiness. And we have a really interesting question about what to do when you are on the other side of someone setting a boundary. Have you ever wished you had a wise meditation teacher on speed dial? Someone you can call after a long day. Someone you could lean on for their advice. Someone to listen and help you to see things differently. Welcome to Dear Headspace, a podcast where I sit with a meditation teacher and we answer your questions. 
Hi, Eve. It is so lovely to see you today. I want to say today and every day. Oh, thanks, Robin. You know, it's always such a joy coming into the studio. I'll be honest, I woke up in a bit of a funk this mm-hmm. morning, went to bed in a bit of a funk, and I already feel so much better. I know. Seeing you and just being together. Yeah, absolutely. I was racing like 100 miles an hour before this and then did our yeah. little setting intention meditation to get ready for you all. And now I feel ready to take some questions. I mean, we're, we're, should we do this? We are going to do this. Yes. We have got some doozies of questions today. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to them all, but I have to say, I'm really curious about the question about boundaries. So I think we should just uh, get right to it. Let's do it. Okay. Here's our first question from Stephen. Dear Headspace, my name is Stephen and I am from Philadelphia in the United States. For the better part of my life, I've dreamed about being a music historian. And in many ways, I have achieved that dream. However, I have undergone a tremendous amount of stress at my current place of work due to a lack of respect from supervisors, from being overworked and being underpaid. I spent the last few years trying to find a new job, but I've been unsuccessful. Now my industry seems to be falling apart and I fear that the future holds little place for me. Due to all of this, I have lost passion for my craft and have decided that it might be time to pursue a new career path. I've been meditating for about five years now, using Headspace for most of that time, but nowadays I can think of little else other than my professional situation, and it has even begun seeping into my meditation practice. Do you have any tips on how I can use mindfulness and meditation to navigate this very scary transition in my life, and how I can reclaim my meditation practice back for myself? Oh, thank you for your question, Stephen. This is such a good question. And I feel like as industries change, like AI is becoming a big thing, like people are talking about how how there are going to be these transitional shifts in careers. And it sounded like that's a little of like what Stephen was talking about, not AI, but just a transitional shift in a career. And that is especially for someone like him who who he, he was like, this is my passion. This is all I've ever wanted to do. And he gets there and then he has a bad working environment and in the future of his career may be shifting. Like that's a very, very big life change. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. And and Stephen, I'm just, I'm really sorry yeah. that this is your experience and that you've been having an ongoing, challenging time. You know, we spend significant amount of time at work. So when things aren't going well, it's naturally going to affect, you know, our personal lives. And especially so you mentioned not feeling valued or respected. And that absolutely will take a huge toll. You know, we often think that our meditation practice is one part of our life and then our personal lives, our work, our relationships is is another part. Uh, and the truth is it's all interconnected. And we're not separate from our work and and the stress that we encounter. So it's only natural that that will show up in your practice. And, you know, I think it's less about claiming it back in that sense, because that implies that it is separate to the experiences that you're going through, you know, in in your work. And I think more about trusting and cultivating that patience acceptance, and even self-compassion for for the situation that you're in. You know, mindfulness teaches us to be accepting of our present moment experiences without judgment or shame. Uh, And so 
when you talk about navigating challenges, I think that's really where your practice can help you ground yourself in the moment and understanding that, you know, there will be periods of difficulty in in our life. Yeah. Does that mean lean more into your practice or does that mean just keep doing what you're doing? It doesn't, it shouldn't be separated out? Well, stress unfortunately, is is a part of life. And unfortunately for Stephen, it sounds like it, he has been experiencing significant stress for quite a period of time. And so when we think about how stress impacts us, you have internal stresses. So that's how we relate to our thoughts, our emotions, our feelings about a situation, a person, a circumstance. So that's often where there can be a lot of negative self-talk, a fear of failure, which it sounds there might be a bit of that going on in in Stephen's case, you know, worry, low self-esteem, even avoiding conflict, which Stephen mentioned he has felt undervalued and disrespected at work. So there's a lot going on. And then, of course, we have external stresses, and that's stresses in our life. It could be work stress, relationships, finances, health. I mean, the list goes on and on. And so how we are relating to our external stresses Mm -hmm. internally in the mind can significantly increase the difficulty around what's happening. So I'm not saying you have to lean more into the difficulty. Uh, Definitely not. But as a practice, you know, mindfulness is a quality that encourages us to be with what is happening without judging it, without criticizing. And so that does mean acknowledging your feelings. Yeah. Uh, And that includes acknowledging fear, acknowledging anxiety. And when I mentioned acceptance, that's really the first part of allowing us to deal with emotional turmoil. Like we can't necessarily change in this moment what's arising, but that doesn't mean that we can't then make changes going forwards to our situation, both how we handle it internally in the mind, but also externally in our environment. And it sounds like Stephen is trying to be proactive. Yeah. Um, he is taking steps to to look for other work. And of course, that in itself is change. Yeah. That's stressful. Uh, and so I think where your practice can support you, you Stephen, is the fact that, well, it's already supporting you in that you've already got a lot of awareness around your situation. And like, that's that's actually a good thing. You know, our practice actually shines a light on what is happening. Oftentimes, we're quite good at ignoring the challenges <laughs> that we face. But you actually have, it sounds like you do have a lot of awareness for what's going on. And you are being very thoughtful and, and considered in, in your approach. And I can understand it's going to feel disheartening if things aren't moving in the right direction. You know, we're often very, very critical of ourselves when we're facing challenges. We often think it's our fault that we're not doing something good enough or well enough. Uh, And so I think it it could be helpful to notice how you're speaking to yourself. Uh, This is something I've I've talked a fair bit about before, but it, it can be so impactful, that relationship we have with ourselves. And so just bring some awareness to that inner dialogue that you have, that inner critic. And again, I've shared this before, 
But I use this technique regularly and maybe consider if this was a friend who was in your situation, how would you talk to them? Yep. What would you say? And and you could maybe start by writing writing it down as well. You know, I also think in Stephen's question, I think there's a bit of loss. He had this career that was his dream. And not only was it ruined by a particular company or a, an environment, a toxic environment, but now he's saying that there's, you know, he's been searching and he may not be able to, he may have to transition to another career entirely or or adjacent. So Eve, I'd love to hear from you some some tips for Stephen around that as well. Yeah, that it's really tough when your dreams are in the hands of others and you don't have a huge amount of influence over it, especially if the industry as a whole is is yeah. shifting. So, you know, I think what is it, what can you focus on within your control? Yeah. And of course, you know, when it's our work, there's a lot that's attached to that, not just a sense of purpose, but also a sense of security. Yeah. So we can't just go off and do whatever, you know, we've bills to pay, we've got responsibilities. So I think, can you maybe take some time and, and think about like in the next three months, uh, rather than trying to solve the bigger existential question around what am I going to do for the rest of my working career? Yeah. And also, as music seems to bring you so much enjoyment, are you able to do anything with that in your spare time Yeah, that isn't necessarily attached to work so you can perhaps reinvigorate that passion and that enjoyment and that excitement and contentment that you feel from your craft? Or perhaps explore something completely brand new. Yeah. Something that you've never done before. And I'm not talking about work here. Yeah. I'm, I'm specifically talking about... Joy. Yeah, hobbies, uh, activities, things that you can do in your spare time. Because when we're all consumed by stress, it will seep into every aspect of our life. Mm -hmm. And it can often leave us feeling quite demotivated. So maybe starting small. Maybe this is something you could do with a friend. It is also maybe if you do it with a friend, an opportunity to chat with them about how you're feeling and share, you know, what's going on. Um, I've definitely in the past when I've struggled with work and, and going through a period of change have felt a little bit of shame around yeah. the fact that I feel like a bit of a failure. And whenever I've shared what's going on, friends have said, why didn't you say anything before? I didn't <laughs> know this is what you were going through. And then on on the work side, you've already mentioned about looking at new career opportunities. Uh, and so I think that's amazing that you're taking those those steps. It can be, feel really daunting and scary. You may already be doing these things. And if you are great, if you're not, maybe something to consider. It could be helpful to work with like a business coach yep. or a mentor, someone that can perhaps help bring a little bit of structure to your situation and, and help you focus on the areas um, that really you do get a lot of enjoyment from, but also where you can use your skills. Yeah. Uh, because I think sometimes when we're in a panic and <laughs> in a, in the sort of rabbit and headlights type mentality, it can be hard to to see solutions. Um, I know that that's not something everyone will be able to do, uh, but over the last few years, I know, you know, business coaches, mentors have become 
a lot more well-known and accessible. So it might be worth checking that out. Yeah. But also, is this an opportunity? Again, if you can, could you look into doing some uh, additional training? Yeah. You know, I'm with have done multiple teacher training programs and I've always found, wow, it's so nice to learn again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And to be in that in that situation. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your question, Stephen. We wish you so much luck in in the transition and all the future and staying with your practice. Yes. And you may have already tried this course in, in the Headspace app. Uh, it's called Navigating Change. And it's all about periods of transition, impermanence. And so that might be something that could be really supportive to you um, as you as you go through this this period in your life. Excellent. All right, let's go to our next question from Edwin. Hi, Headspace. My name's Edwin. I'm from Puerto Rico, and I've been meditating for about four years now with Headspace. Um, My main question is uh, regarding boundaries. Um, I think that in the mindfulness world, we spend a lot of time talking about the importance of establishing boundaries and enforcing them and all of that. But I don't really hear too much about what about when we're we're on the receiving end of a boundary and someone establishes a boundary with us. So I guess I'll give you a little bit of an example of what I mean. I was in a situation where I had lost my home and I was kind of like brief and abrupt. um, And I'd reached out to a loved one and said, hey, you know, um, don't really have a stable place to stay um, right now. Is it okay if I maybe stay with in your extra room for like a week or, you know, whatever, um, just until I kind of figure something out? And um, my loved one replied to me by saying, sorry that this is happening to you. Um, however, uh, my home is my sanctuary. Like it's where I find peace, where I recharge. And I can't jeopardize that or I can't kind of turn my back on that to help you which is a boundary, but kind of, I don't know, left me feeling a bit hurt, to say the least, you know, um, feelings of resentment for just someone being okay with you not necessarily having a safe place to stay. But yeah, you know, that is their boundary and we're taught to respect people's boundaries. So how do we navigate those feelings? How do we reckon with respecting someone's boundaries while also kind of squaring our own emotions, you know, how our own emotions tie into that. So thank you. Wow, Edwin. I mean, first of all, I'm so sorry you're in the middle of all of this. Um, But thank you for this question because, you know, he's absolutely right. We, We talk incessantly about setting boundaries and setting boundaries, but we almost never talk about what it feels like to be on the other side. And I wonder sometimes if that's because there's a, there's like an assumption of the person that the boundary is being set upon. No one's ever saying that setting a boundary is going to be easy. Like, you know, it's like we're always talking about it's going to be hard for the person who has to set it and you've got to maintain your boundaries, but we never talk about it could really hurt on the other side. Yes, you are so right. There's books on setting boundaries. There's been a huge amount of focus on this during the pandemic because obviously everyone was at home and how do you separate work and life and boundaries being crossed over all the time. But on the flip side, in setting a boundary, 
that will have a ripple effect on other people. How do you navigate that? And I think you are right, Edwin, that mindfulness can make us more aware of our needs, which can then empower us to set healthy boundaries. But it can also help us to navigate challenging situations with empathy, but an understanding that allows us to advocate for ourselves. Yeah. Uh, and so that we can then communicate our needs. I would say, is it a safe space? Can you have a conversation with this person who's in your life and say, look, I, I don't want to fight and I respect you and I respect your boundaries and I'm, I'm not asking you to make a change. But I do want to say that it did it did hurt me that you weren't able to help me out even a little bit or or even offer another solution because I was in a really precarious situation. Yes, I, I was thinking exactly the, the same thing. You know, resentment can really build. Yeah, I would be exploding with this situation. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know what, you know, it's really hard when we expect something from someone, especially a loved one, and they let us down. Yeah. Very understandable that you are going to be experiencing hurt, resentment, frustration, anger, many, many challenging emotions around this. And so I think just acknowledging and accepting that they're there. And that's okay that they're there. Yeah, It's worth noting, actually, that when we are resentful of someone or we're angry, quite often they actually have no idea because we don't say anything. And so I think if, again, if you feel comfortable doing this, or you could write a letter, that's also another approach, Uh, and just try and express how you're feeling without finger pointing or without a judgment or blame. And so try and use, you know, I statements. So for example, you could say, I understand and I'm trying to respect your decision, but I felt really let down. Could you help me understand why? If it's a, if it's a conversation, try and, and engage some sort of open listening. Um, you know, when we go into a conversation, when we're feeling hurt and resentful, we often don't listen to what the other person's saying because we're very focused on our own agenda but it just from hearing you talk Edwin it sounds like you're a very considered person yeah and you're very mindful anyway but listening without interrupting trying to be open to their perspective uh, and understanding their reasons for setting that boundary uh, and recognizing that they have their own limitations and challenges. Yep. Uh, and so whilst you might not agree with it, you know, it might help you empathize with their position, but it's also an opportunity for you to express the impact it had on you and explain the situation from your perspective, because they actually may not have realized it was as bad as it was. And so, you know, I think having that open and honest conversation, and that could then present an opportunity to see if there is a way to compromise. Yeah. So can they help you in a different way? Yeah. We all have our different approaches and our different mindsets and the way we're coming at things. And we all have our different expectations. And it could just be like you're playing football and she's playing baseball. Like you're just in two different, you have two different setups, two different rule books. That's why I think conversation is so important. Yeah. We're often very unaware of uh, how the other person's feeling and their experience. And so we create a version of events in in the mind. And so I think, you know, as you move forward, hopefully having 
uh, an open and honest conversation, just being aware of particular thought patterns and that negative rumination and resentment that can arise in the mind. And so, you know, just being aware of if you find yourself thinking, you know, they should have helped me. Why didn't they help me? Instead, it could be, I wish they could have helped me, but I understand the limitations. Yeah. Can just help to soften that. And I think wrapped around all of this is possibly forgiveness, which can be hard when we've been hurt. It doesn't mean that you are fully in agreement yeah. with this person's decision. But instead, it means letting go of some of the negative associations that you've made with this situation so that you can move forward feeling more peaceful about it. Yeah. Well, Edwin, good luck. And I, I hope that the conversation, well, if, if you choose to have a conversation, I hope that it goes well um, and you're able to process this. And, and, and more importantly, we hope that you're safe and that you have what you need right now. Yeah, that's really a concern of mine is that you have somewhere secure and safe. Uh, and so we are sending you lots of good wishes. And thank you so much for sending in your question. All right. We will be right back. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, and we've got time for just one more question. Here we go. Something I'm dealing with now is a huge difficulty is learning how to enjoy happiness. I am currently a senior in college. I'm about to graduate next semester, and I'm currently extremely overwhelmed with all of these opportunities that's being presented to me um, as I continue to network and reach out to find employment after graduation. One of the difficulties I'm having isn't only the fear and excitement meeting each other, but how the happiness and sadness are tending to meet each other as well. I couldn't sleep all last night and I just stayed up crying after I've had the most wonderful day I was crying about the losses I've experienced over the years, people that I miss, that I feel like I shouldn't. Is there any way that mindfulness or a meditation can help me process happiness and joy in a bit more balanced way? Thank you. What a nice question. It's it's so thoughtful. Yeah. It's so layered. And first, congratulations. You're you're almost wrapping up college. And that's first of all, it's no small accomplishment. But that's the big thing that really jumps out at me about this question is it's a humongous life transition. And I feel like I could hear a lot of feelings in this question. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for this question. So thoughtful and I'm not surprised you feel a bit overwhelmed. You know, you're in your final year of college with probably 
a bit of pressure on making decisions about what you do next. Uh, it sounds like you're getting lots of offers, which is wonderful, really incredible, but also big decisions yeah. come with those. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, it's there's the overwhelming part, uh, but then there's also opportunity brings excitement. Yeah. And so I think layered into your question is like, how do you straddle both? Yeah. Because they're both going to be there. By the way, they're going to be there for a while. Like, like your early 20s, this is like, I don't want to, I feel like I'm talking to a new mom, like, it's going to be hard for a bit. Like, you know, and it may not be, but yeah. the, the 20s are, are a time. There's, there's, there's a lot of tumultuousness. Yes. I, if I could give my younger 20-year-old self some oh my God. advice, a big hug. <laughs> it would be just because you decide to do one thing, it doesn't mean you can't change your mind. Yes. You know, I made certain decisions feeling like I should do this thing. And it resulted in, you know, a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. And I'm not saying we're not going to make mistakes. Uh, mistakes are a part of life, but just going into this process, uh, recognizing that there's also an opportunity for change in the future as well. Yeah. And so, you know, as you navigate making these decisions, it maybe takes some time to really think about what is it that really does energize you mm. about these offers or a place or to live? Um, what gives you support? what makes you feel safe, what makes you feel happy and and not just the happiness that makes you, you know, smile, but what makes you feel content. Yeah. And recognizing that it will change over time. You mentioned that you've also been experiencing a bit of loss and grief. I think just reminding yourself that that's not a linear process, whether it's the loss of a person or it sounds like in your case, maybe the loss of some relationships, maybe people that are no longer... Uh, you know, in your immediate uh, network, you know, it's common to experience a whole range of emotions surrounding grief and loss. And, you know, I lost my mom in, in June and whew, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a real journey. And there are days when I'm able to remember the happy times yeah. and remind myself of those feelings. But there's also days when, oh, the sadness is just really overwhelming and remembering that she's not here yeah. but both experiences are okay and I actually had an experience like yours recently where I went to the beach uh, with some friends and we just had the most lovely day it was so fun I remember like crying with laughter <laughs> but in the back of my mind I was thinking gosh is it okay to feel happy because yeah. You know, there's this shadow wrapped around me of of mom that she's not here. And, you know, we can hold both at the same time. And then later that evening, yeah, a, a wall of sadness did hit me. and But I allowed it to be there. Yeah. Uh, and I think that can be uncomfortable is being with these different emotions when, when they arise. But there can be moments of happiness yeah. and, and joy and, and even contentment when we're experiencing loss. And I think just reminding ourselves of that can take some of the weight away. Yeah. I think being a grown-up is just a series of choices and then and then evaluating your next choice and then evaluating your and making changes. I think our just our instincts inside our gut instinct is always telling us 
hey, mm-hmm. hey, think about this. Think about this, Eve. Maybe you want to do this, you know? Well, yeah, you know, when, when we're stressed uh, and feeling anxious, like it, it's a very, very physical experience. And, you know, our digestion, you know, shuts down. And that's why we feel there's like f- butterflies and flutters in the stomach. So, you know, that gut uh, relationship with the brain uh, is really, really telling us something that like something's not quite right. Yeah. And so I think really listening to that. Uh, and so it also sounds from from your question that you maybe need to take some time to remind yourself of what experiencing something that brings you happiness and joy and contentment actually feels like. You know, how does it feel in the body? How are you relating to it in in the mind? And, and often notice how judgments can be present. Often we feel we should feel a certain way about something or we feel guilty because we're experiencing happiness. And there's a, a course in the app actually on, on happiness. And it's It's really about understanding the supports of happiness and not just, you know, doing something that makes you giggle or laugh, but like really understanding and cultivating an underlying sense of, you know, contentment, of fulfillment, of satisfaction in life. So I think to Robin's point, you know, take some time during this process to feel into some of these decisions. Yeah. Like how are they landing in the body? You know, is it causing you way more stress? Uh, And that's a sign. You know, there will be a stress around all of this because you're making big decisions. Chat with friends, chat with, uh, you know, a family member, someone that you you feel comfortable with. You know, as you're at college, there may be uh, careers counselors, people like that, that can maybe help you navigate some of these decisions, you know, as best you can. Try not to feed into the pressure yeah. of making decisions that other people think you should make because that's often when we make decisions that are not rooted in what's right for us. Yeah. And and I just, I mean, and this is just me as a mom, and I cannot help myself from saying this, this is, everything's going to be okay. I think we just have to remind ourselves to put one foot in front of the other and try the next right thing. Yeah. Uh, and there's... There's a technique that could be supportive to you when it comes to recognizing and and naming different emotions, because often we're just very unaware uh, of actually what's what's happening in the mind and the body, and it feels a bit of a muddled mess. It's based on the mindfulness technique of noting. Uh, It's a technique that was developed by um, a psychologist actually here in LA called Dr. Dan Siegel. Uh, And there's research that shows if we can just note and name our emotions, so that might be happy, happy, okay, sad, sad, it actually decreases the intensity of them. Uh, And this is particularly important when there are more challenging emotions that are present, because that can be associated with a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. That also just brings awareness into how you're feeling. Um, And I think you already have... so much awareness around your situation and and you know what's going on for you and that's that's really 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 brilliant I did not have that at that age Eve I did not no (laughs) I didn't either and like all the questions today have been so incredibly thoughtful they have they really uh, have really considered you guys are doing 
really well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just want to remind you of that. Yes. And and I think that's a that's a good point for us to just say, you know, these questions were so wonderful. They they really were. It's it's just it's so amazing. Like I'm always amazed with the lines that come through them and the and the commonalities and and I can assure you like when the questions are chosen that's not where we're coming from. They just end up in the conversations and I always think that's so interesting. Yeah, I think the the overarching theme today is is change mm. and transition, uh, and you know that can be a very scary place to be, and it can feel like things won't ever change. But really, what underpins life overall is impermanence. Yeah, you know, nothing stays the same forever, and that's on a daily basis, it's on a weekly basis, uh, monthly, yearly, you know, moment by moment things are changing. So the more we're able to cultivate that awareness and compassion for the situations we're in, that is what really helps us to build that resilience as we as we weather the storms yeah. as they come at us. I was going to say yeah. ride the wave, same same vibes. <laughs> yeah, ride the waves, weather the storms. Yeah. <laughs> well, a humongous thank you to all our callers today. I mean, we just, we so appreciate you sending all of your questions and we hope that the answers were helpful to you. And I have to say now to everyone else, I, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're commuting to or from work or thinking about a problem that's just taking up way too much of your brain space. I say, why not consider sending your question to us. Uh, it's pretty darn easy. All you have to do is go to sayhi.chat slash dearheadspace to record your question. And you know, that link, it's in the show notes, of course, as well, because we want to make it easy for you. And if we use your question in the show, you're going to get three months of Headspace for free, which I think is a great deal. Yeah, that's really wonderful. It's part of the show where in asking a question, maybe somebody else can receive the benefits yes. uh, of of headspace and it's almost well it's not quite my favorite part of the podcast because we come to the end of it but <laughs> I think this is an important part of the show where we've built in some time for you to sit with what you've just heard and experience maybe a moment to reflect on the questions maybe some of those things are arising for you uh, and it's time to help you transition to the next thing in your day so as you listen to the sounds of rain recorded from a cabin in the woods, feel free to let your mind do whatever it wants to do. So till next time, stay happy, stay healthy. And most importantly, be kind to yourself and each other.
Dear Headspace is a Headspace Studios original podcast. It's produced by Robin Hopkins, Ash Jones, and Scott Sorensen. It's executive produced by Morgan Selzer, Sarah Cohn, Baron Farmer, and Danny Christamy. Our production coordinator is Taylor Jennings-Brown. It's hosted and produced by Robin Hopkins, Kesanga Giscombe, Dora Kamau, Samantha Snowden, Eve Lewis Prieto, and Rosie Acosta. Post-production is by Dan Kroll. Music is by Scott Sorensen and Chris Mergia. And a special thanks to Colleen Lutz.